Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Psalms 84, verse 10. Perhaps you've heard it before, but I want to do a deep dive into the backstory and preach to you this morning. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. That's the King James Version. I want to show you the language on the screen here. In the contemporary English version, and it reads, One day in your temple is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather serve in your house than live in the homes of the wicked. I'm going to preach to you this morning on a subject matter that simply says, that doesn't matter. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Lord Jesus, I come again humbly and pure into the holy of holies. And that your spirit, God, from the heavenlies would descend upon this earth upon those that are viewing and streaming online, upon those that have gathered in Old Town Temecula, that an anointing, an affirmation, would speak to the hearts of your people as I flow in the Holy Ghost as an apostolic pastor. And I preach from the oracles of heaven today. Anoint our ears, anoint our hearts, anoint our homes. I pray the prayer in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, would you shout back, amen? Amen, amen. God bless you for standing. You may be seated this morning. That doesn't matter. The three words on the screen could come across in any way. The tone, the texture, the spirit, the attitude behind it. There are a lot of ways to say that. You could say, that doesn't matter. You could say, that doesn't matter. You could say, that doesn't matter. Depending on the context, maybe depending on your attitude, maybe depending on your situation. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Let me take you back a few books from our opening scripture there in Psalms. I want to take you back to Numbers chapter 16. In the Old Testament there, there was a man named Korah. The backstory is that Korah talked to 250 respected Israelite leaders for their support to rebel against Moses, God's leader. In Numbers chapter 16 and verses 6 and 7, it reads this, and I quote Korah. Now here is what I want you and your followers must do. This is Moses talking. Get some fire pans, fill them with coals and incense and place them near the sacred tent, and the man of the Lord will choose who will be priest. You see, Korah gathered 250. The backstory that I haven't read is that he's saying, hey, who said you can be the leader? Who says you can lead the people? Why did God choose you? So in verses 6 and 7, that's where Moses said, hey, get the fire pans, get the coals, the incense. Let's go to the sacred tent, and the man that the Lord chooses shall be priest. In verses 12 and 13, Then Moses sent for Dathan and Abram, but they sent back a message. 
Moses sent for the two men out of the 250. He told them to come, bring the fire pans. And in verses 12 and 13, they send back a message and they say this in one translation, we won't come. It's bad enough that you took us from our rich farmland in Egypt to let us die here in the desert. There was something brewing behind the scenes. There was a spirit of carnality. There was a spirit of wretchedness. There was a spirit of jealousy that was brewing and simmering among Korah and the 250, the Bible says, respected leaders of Israel. Now they're in the desert. Things aren't happening like Korah thought they should happen. And Korah must have been quite the salesman, quite the convincer. To get 250, these aren't children and teenagers. These aren't somebody who are just roaming around trying to get to the promised land. The Bible says these are respected leaders. Moses' staff, right-hand men. And Korah begins to speak a descending tone into their life. And so Moses says, hey, you two come here. And basically they said, we're not coming. We're not going to talk to you. You, we left our farmland in Egypt, and you brought us out here to die. And in verse 30, the Bible says this of number 16. But suppose the Lord does something. He tells them this. I want you to get the story. These people are causing problems. Moses said, hey, come here. And they said, I'm not going to talk to you. And then Moses says this, and I quote from Scripture. But suppose the Lord does something that he's never done before. For example, for ejemplo, what if a huge crack appears in the ground and all of those men and their families fall into it and buried alive together with everything they own? Then you will know they have turned their backs on the Lord. That's quite a rebuttal from the two that said, we're not going to come. I'm thinking Moses is getting in a bad mood. I'm thinking Moses is defending his call on his life. I'm thinking Moses is thinking, hey, I was in Pharaoh's court. I was living in the palace. I forsook everything. I'm leading you into the promised land. And you think you had a better life back then? And 250 men, of course, said, yes, we actually did. And so Moses' rebuttal is, what if the earth opens up and swallows all your family and everything you own? Verse 31 and 30 to 33, as soon as Moses said this, the ground under the men opened up and swallowed them alive, together with their families and everything they owned. Then the ground closed back up, and they were gone. Wow. Now, hang with me. This is a good message. I know everybody's scared right now, but just... I, I, I perceive in my human spirit, relax. That doesn't matter. Relax. Because I want to show you something here. So the ground swallows them up, closes back up. The prophetic word that Moses said, what if, exactly happens in Scripture. And in verse 41, watch this. The next day, the people of Israel again complained against Moses and Aaron. My takeaway here is the next day? I'm telling you. Give it a week, man. Give it a month. Just shut your trap. 
No, verse 41, the next day. The people of Israel again complained against Moses and Aaron. The two of you killed some of the Lord's people. Oh, don't start getting spiritual on me now. I killed some of the Lord's people. Verse 46, number 16. Then Moses told Aaron, grab your fire pan and fill it with hot coals from the altar. Ah, a similar admonition that he told the men of Korah, the two men that said, I'm not coming to listen to you. Now he tells Aaron, his right-hand man, grab your fire pan and fill it with hot coals from the altar. Put incense in it, then quickly take it to where the people are and offer it to the Lord so they can be forgiven. The Lord is very angry, and the people have already started dying. You've got to understand this. Korah put something in motion that is going to kill and crush people. Korah began to sow discord. Korah began to put his nose in an area of questioning God. Why did you choose him? Why did you choose Moses and Aaron? And things begin to get out of control. Now Moses is saying, hey, I know they hate us. I know they're troublemakers. I, I know they're this and they're outlaws. But let's do this, Aaron, because we are believing that God's going to help us. Get your fire pan and get the coals and get them from the altar and put the incense in it and go quickly so God forgive, can forgive them. And the Bible says because people had already started dying because of a spirit from Korah. In verse 47, shockingly, the Bible says, 14,700 Israelites were dead already. Before Aaron could get to them, almost 15,000 people had died, not counting those, the Bible says, who had died with Korah and his followers. You see, what I'm trying to show you this morning is that the book of Numbers is about Korah rebelling against Moses and Aaron, and it caused God and the earth to swallow them up. That's a tragic story. That's a be careful story. That's something that we remind ourselves, hey, we can't come against the church. We can't come against the leadership. We can't come against God's people because the church always wins. And those that come against the church of the living God never prospers. And in this case, they end up dying a violent death with their family and everything that they had. But let me put it on pause for a minute and simply say this. I'm not preaching about that. I'm giving you the backstory that I'm going to get to the good stuff, the good news. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 26, 10 chapters later in verse 11, that Korah's sons and his sons survived, though they continued to serve in the house of the Lord. I want you to understand this, and here comes my title, That Doesn't Matter, Korah and 250 people, 17,700 people perished because of a spirit and a reeking attitude from one man that put something in motion. But the Bible says that Korah's sons did not die with Korah. Korah's sons did not die with the household. In fact, Korah's sons become something in the house of the Lord. They shared a psalm. I, I used to think for a long time, and maybe you have, and I, maybe I just caught up with you. I always thought that the book of Psalms was written by David. Am I the only one? Please, someone help me out. Someone raise your hand so I don't feel so dumb. Okay, there's several of us that are in my category. But I realized 
the power of repentance and grace. That Psalms, part of it was written by Korah's sons. And you say, excuse me, is their dad the troublemaker? Is their dad that caused 14,700 people to lose their life and their families and all of their things? Is their dad the one that caused God to open the earth and swallow them? Is that the Korah you're talking about? And I'm going to tell you, yes, that's the Korah I'm talking about. They shared one psalms, and that's the psalm that I read to you this morning in Psalms 84. They begin to write that. This is a beautiful picture of the power of repentance and grace. You see, to give King David credit and kudos, he did write 73 of 150 psalms, and that is wowing. But when I realized that the writings and the holy writings and the worship that came from Korah's sons, they wrote 12 of 150 psalms. They wrote psalms Psalms 42 through 49, Psalms 84, Psalms 85, Psalms 87, Psalms 88, and 12 of those psalms were written from kids that their dad tried to split the church in the wilderness. A beautiful picture about grace and repentance and mercy. You see, Korah, their father, was the leader of the rebellion against Moses, against Moses and Aaron in Numbers chapter 16. But this is what is so amazing to me, that the heritage and that the family tree that came out of Korah was not completely destroyed. That's why I'm preaching to some people here this morning to tell you, no matter your family tree, no matter your pedigree or your lack of it, that doesn't matter because there is a power of repentance and grace that comes from the heavenly and you can say hey I've done some bad things and I've done some bad things to people and I'm here to tell somebody today that doesn't matter if Corinth's kids could write 12 of the Psalms Somebody needs to get a revelation today. Hey, that doesn't matter. Hey, this is a brand new day Yes The majority of the backstory is evil and vindictive and vile and cutting and there's murder and there's scheming and there's plotting and there's secret meetings and there's meetings after the meetings and there's meeting behind the scenes. But somewhere in the power of grace and mercy, these boys of Korah got a hold of themselves and said, hey, my dad might have did this. My dad might have had this opinion, but God, I'm coming into the Holy of Holies and don't lay that to my charge. I want to serve you. I want to worship you. I want to sing praise. I want to do holy writings. God, if you'll restore my boy and so my title comes that doesn't matter to show you about the mercy and grace and the power of repentance in the line of the family tree of Korah we find a man named Samuel 475 years later the grandson of Korah. Brother John is the prophet Samuel. Samuel, who's your grandfather? I don't want to talk about that. Samuel, is it true that your grandfather did this? I don't want to talk about that. You see, but by the time God anointed the grandson Samuel, 
Samuel could step to the podium and say, yes, but that doesn't matter. I know that's my family tree. In some weird way, that's my heritage. I'm not claiming it. God's earmarked me for greatness. God's going to use me. Not only is he going to use me. Hey, my uncles wrote 12 chapters of the book of Psalms. They had holy writings. They sang praises unto God. They were worshipers in the tabernacle. They were in the tent. But then God has anointed me. I'm a grandson of a Korah. But now I'm a prophet unto God's people. Why? Because it's the power of repentance. It's the power of grace. And so wherever you have come from, whoever your grandmother and grandfather is, whoever your parents are it doesn't matter why because god can use you god can anoint you god can bring you into here save your soul that doesn't matter so as i studied it intrigues me I asked myself the question, and I was so unsure I didn't know the answer. I, I called a pastor friend of mine that's been pastoring for 45 years, and I don't want to tell him I don't know, so I just asked him, hey, are there two Samuels in the Old Testament? Because I'm wondering, is this the Samuel that anoints David? What? Get out of here. Shut up. No, I probably didn't think that. <laughs> so I just, hey, what you doing? How's it going? What you going to do today? I'm just making conversation. Hey, I, just, I had this thought. I was sitting, are there two Samuels in the Old Testament? Because I can only find one. And if I'm going to tether him to the grandfather of Korah, I told him, I can't be preaching false doctrine on Sunday. And then I said, is it false doctrine if you don't know it's false doctrine? <laughs> we never found the answer to that. He goes, I only know of one Samuel. So then I begin to tell him, that's all I could find. I mean, I searched and I uncovered, pulled the covers back, moved the rocks. I, I did everything. And I could finally validate, Pastor Nolan, that that Samuel that anoints David to be king, his grandfather is Korah? You got to be kidding. That's your past, Samuel. And I think Samuel could stand to the podium and say, it doesn't matter. Don't lay that to my charge. I'm a prophet of God. We know the story. Samuel goes to Jesse's house, lines up all the strapping young men that, that the dad's proud of. And the prophet, parentheses, Korah's grandson, is moved on by God and said, hey, this is all of them. David was so insignificant in Jesse's mind, which is David's dad, that Jesse didn't even tell the prophet, hey, they're all here, but I got one little scrawny guy that's out there tending sheep, but here's the best ones. He didn't even mention he had a David until the man of God, parentheses, Korah's grandson, says, hey, oh, I do have one more. Fetch him. And David walks in, and I did a little study, and some believe David was probably between 10 or 15. The Bible scholars, they can't come exactly with the right answer. He gets anointed. Let's hit it in the middle. Let's say he's 13. David's walking back out to the field. How would you feel? I'm going back out. I just was anointed by Korah's grandson. That's not legit. He's not 
used of God. He's self-appointed. Korah, the troublemaker that cost almost 15,000 people their life, brought stress to Moses and Aaron and ran his mouth. Wait a minute, Samuel. Who's your grandfather? Korah. Again, somewhere in the occasion of repentance and grace and mercy, a voice has to shout back, that doesn't matter. I'm preaching to some wonderful people today that are with me and streaming online that wherever you have come from, that doesn't matter. You can be a worshiper in the house of the Lord. You can teach a Sunday school class in the house of the Lord. You can win your neighborhood in where you live. Your pedigree doesn't matter. How much Bible you know doesn't matter. Why? Because God's mercy and repentance and his grace is forevermore. It's the restoration power of the power of the Spirit of God. So you can be used. You can be anointed. You can be a part of the body of Christ. Why? Because your past and who you're connected to and who you're tethered to and what you've done and where you've been and who you associated with, my friend, that simply doesn't matter. Somebody put your hands together and give him an offering of thank yous. Even the descendants of the leading rebellion came, became the godly writers of Psalms, praising God in their holy writings as they recorded for an existing generation. I marveled at the mercy and grace. The descendants of Korah, who wrote something, you got to get this, who wrote something that became a part of the Holy Bible. They weren't writing forgiveness notes to the t- priest. They, they weren't scribbling notes that the descendants of Korah, I just was meditating. This is amazing. It's unbelievable. If it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't even believe it. The sons of Korah and the descendants, the sons that were great sinners in rebellion of Korah, but became holy people riding Psalms to praise God. We open up here in our verse that he says that there is something. And we quoted that I would rather be a doorkeeper. A contemporary English version, I would rather be in the temple serving God than a thousand years in the homes of the wicked. You you see this? I want you to get this. This was written by Korah's sons. Somewhere is there some personal reflection in that scripture. One day in your temple is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather serve in your house than live in the homes, maybe parentheses, my dad. My parents. 
I didn't ask to be born to them, but I was. But I can't take responsibility. God, if you can use anything, you can use me. And just to know, I would rather be in your house for a thousand years than to dwell in the tents of all of that diabolical chaos. But if you can use me, God, I want to keep my heart pure. I want to move forward. I'm sorry about my parents. I'm sorry about my past. I'm sorry about the environment I was raised in. I don't embrace that. I don't condone that. I don't... mm. But hey, if I could just be in your house. And the takeaway here this morning for all of us is that it doesn't matter your past. Samuel was a descendant of an arch rebel, Korah. And it shows us the power of grace and repentance. And we know Korah himself, the Bible says, did not repent, but his children did. In time to save themselves from the death that befell their parents. And the Bible says this, and the sons of Korah died not. The children of Korah were outstanding singers and poets among the Levites. The Levites were the priesthood. The Levites were the ministry. They are the authors of numbers of psalms that remain forever with the Jewish people. In three places, we find seven consecutive generations closing with the prophet Samuel and his son Joel. First Chronicles chapter 6. This is what I need you to understand. This is the whole point of my message. The power of grace and repentance. I woke up this morning with this heavy in my heart. And as my custom, I'll get up early and make my way to my computer and just kind of put the polishing touches on it. I read through it. And I said, God, is there anything new afresh that you can Is there any fresh manna I can add to this? I've been working on it all week. God, I need some fresh manna. If it's complete, that's good. But i got to be at peace with this. And I want you to understand what God spoke to my heart. I'm thinking about my title. It doesn't matter. And this is the fresh manna from this morning. And it's simply this. And I typed as the spirit moved up on me. The greatest weapon against the enemy is that doesn't matter. What do you mean, Pastor? I've not been raised in church. That, that doesn't matter. I come from a broken and abusive home. That doesn't matter. I have a past that I'm not proud of. That doesn't matter. I don't feel worthy because of what I've done. That doesn't matter. I don't understand this God thing. That doesn't matter. I've done some shameful things that I don't want nobody to know. That doesn't matter. So the greatest weapon against the enemy when he speaks into your spirit is your comeback is simply that doesn't matter. I know it's true. I know I've done it. I've got stains. I've got scars. I've got lacerations. But I'm here to tell the devil that doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. I don't care what I've done. It's all under the blood. I've been forgiven. I've been washed free. Hey, devil, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter either. That doesn't matter either. That doesn't matter. 
The Spirit of God is speaking to this church that we need to move forward in 2022. And when we come against opposition, and when you find yourself in a dark time, you find yourself up against overwhelming odds, you need to understand to tell the enemy, to tell the situation, that doesn't matter. People in your life will speak and discourage you. You need to get it in your spirit. The power of repentance and the power of grace. That doesn't matter. I know I didn't know God back then. I know I got some things I got to reconcile. But thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the blood of Calvary. If it's under the blood, then Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And I'm going to tell you something you already know. That doesn't matter. Someone shout, that doesn't matter. That's the greatest weapon against the enemy. Because as long as I've pastored, 22 years, how many times have people told me, I feel this, I feel bad about this, I feel the devil does this, I feel he uses this against me, I can't get past my past, I can't get past my scars, and the greatest weapon against the enemy, my friend, when you feel like that is simply three words, that doesn't matter. You can't stay saved because you don't know how to even begin to stay saved and be, get, get all this. You can't figure it out, devil. That doesn't matter. The Bible says, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, there's no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. Now walk after the Spirit. So if you ever come into this house, if you ever log onto this channel, and you're doing right to the best of your knowledge and ability, and the devil speaks condemnation into your life, you've got to fire back these three words. That doesn't matter. You stumbled last week. You failed. You lost your temper. You said some things you had. You wished you could retract. I'm not worthy to get in the altar. Oh, yes, you are. You know why? Because that doesn't matter. I'm not married to my past. I'm not married to my actions. When I get in the presence of God, it's called holy ground. The grandson is a prophet. The people would receive him. God would anoint him. Yes. But what about his genealogy? That doesn't matter. God judges the person, the heart. Not the genealogy. Not the lack of knowledge. If this is pure and this is holy. And I'm preaching this message strategically because we've gone through a week of prayer. We've gone through a week of fasting. And it culminated today with a communion that sanctifies and purifies us. A blood transfusion. Getting out the carnality. Getting out the attitude getting out the worldliness, replacing it with the pure, unadulterated blood of God. So my counsel to you this morning is that whenever you feel like you're being tossed from side to side, you've got to get your heart together and look at that mountain 
and look that enemy, that adversity in the face. Say, that doesn't matter. I've been blood-bought. I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost. I'm doing everything right that I know to do and I can do. I'm working through this. I do have liberty to raise my hands. But you don't deserve to because of this. That doesn't matter. You shouldn't even be up there and acting like everything's okay because last week was a wreck. That doesn't matter. Samuel the prophet thankfully for your uncles found your way but had the uncles been swallowed up Samuel could have still been anointed as a prophet so what are you saying I'm simply saying this stand with me this morning but this is what my point is whatever reason or excuse that you could muster up. My godly rebuttal is simply going to be three words to you. That doesn't matter. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I should. I don't feel good enough. I haven't done everything perfect. I got some scars. I made bad decisions. That doesn't matter. And because the phrase that doesn't matter exists, that allows you, that enables you to step into the holy of holies. The power of repentance and grace is flooding the atmosphere. So any excuse, any setback is met face to face, Brother Renee, with that doesn't matter. I feel like I let God down. But you're in the house of the Lord today, so that doesn't matter because the power of repentance and grace is in here in this atmosphere. So devil, to anybody that you're messing with online or in the house today, this apostolic pastor is declaring to you and your entourage, that doesn't matter. Grace, repentance, and mercy covers a multitude of sins and mistakes, scars and lacerations. Yes, we stand here with holy hands, but not everything I did was holy. That doesn't matter. I stand here with a pure heart, but there were times my heart wasn't pure. That doesn't matter. I stand here with a pristine voice and attitude, but there was times my voice was dissenting. That doesn't matter. Because you are now in the presence of a multitude of witnesses that bring grace and mercy and repentance. And when I stand on holy ground, and my heart is right before God. Everything that preceded that doesn't matter. I'm going to pray for us. And if you're here today, if you're watching online, but if you're here in person, and you need 
a validation of what you're thinking doesn't matter. I want to pray for you. I want our pastoral staff to have oil. We're going to anoint you. We're going to do what the prophet Samuel would do. We're going to do what the men of God would do in the Old and New Testament. Because we're standing on holy ground. And whatever you tell me that's contrary to the goodness of God, I'm simply going to say, that doesn't matter. And that's what you need to tell the devil. That's what you need to tell the enemy. It doesn't matter. Heavenly Father, in the holy name of Jesus, I bring a voice of clarity. I bring a voice of anointing to the hearers of this gospel today, in person or online. I speak power into their life. I speak grace. I speak repentance. I speak the prophetic words. That doesn't matter. It comes with authority. It comes with faith. It comes with forgiveness. It comes with anointing. That doesn't matter. And the church wins and God's people prevail. I speak that into every life. I speak that into every hearer. I speak that into every marriage. I speak that into every home. That doesn't matter. I've been blood-bought. I've been anointed. I've been filled with the Spirit. My sins have been washed away. I'm ready for the return of Christ. My heart is pure. My life is right. Today, that rest doesn't matter. Anoint the hearers. I prayed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.